All right, you are listening to the Chat Podcast with Joy Abara, and you're welcome to a brand new episode. This is the seventh on a roll, and girl, I am excited. By the way, I have to say a huge thank you to everyone who sent in your feedbacks, particularly from the last episode where I had Oni Oludipe. I mean, that's what happens when you have a young professor on your show. He just has that Oni effect going on. But please keep the feedbacks coming. I would like to know how you think I could improve on the program. That's the whole point of the chat podcast is about us helping ourselves. So guess what? I'm not the only one in the studio today. I have with me a very special guest. Now this girl is a bundle of joy. <laughs> she enters a room and literally lights up the whole place. I don't know why she's laughing now, but she makes me really, really smile hard. I am talking about no other person than the Bam girl herself, Bamishi on a banjo. <laughs> How are you doing, girl? Fine, thank you. It's great to have you here. It's good to be here as well. What's going on with you? What's going on? Well, <laughs> come close to your mic. How's life? <laughs> fine, fine. What's yeah, going on? Fine, so far, so good. NYC is what is happening now. Don't know how I feel, but yeah, NYC. I feel like you've like been that friend that has been on my radar for years now. Remember in school, literally, you, your room was some rooms away from mine. <laughs> I was always in your you face. You were always in my face. <laughs> I'm like, this girl. So I went for NYC in Ibadan, and then I happened to be at hometown, and we, we met. But I mean, remember when we went, went to the movies? Yes. And then we had to take a show because it was so boring. We literally came out of the theater to take a walk because it was, was so, so boring. boring. Wow. No, no, no. But anyways, I'm happy to have you here. I'm just going to go ahead and read out your biography. So Olua Bamishe is a legal practitioner, development enthusiast, and an avid reader of African literature. Bamishe works hard to ensure that at the end of all her endeavors, justice and equity is attained for all humans in whatever capacity, especially in terms of education, trade, and power parity. She seeks to ensure that equity and fair dealing resonate in human relationships while paying more attention to trade, local and international trade. Ooh, very yes, 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 short yes. and apt, just like you are. Thank you. <laughs> so you're all about that legal life, fighting for justice and peace mm, and human exactly. rights. <laughs> yeah, law and development, basically. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, apart from what we have right here? Well, it's always so hard for me to answer this tell us about yourself question, but I'll try. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm Nigerian and um how do I put it? Um This question is always so hard. It's like finding sweet agbalumo. You never can tell. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Straight to the That's point. It's a difficult thing. But yes, um I'm a lover of literature. I like to read. I guess so excited about books. Um, I'm. I'm not. I won't say I'm an outgoing person. I like my space. But at the end of the day, if you come into my space, you're welcome. Because <laughs> I'm always in everybody's space. Ah, <laughs> I'm happy to know that you I'm, know that. I'm a very happy person. She is. I think I that's all about that, me. Yeah. I'm a very happy person. She is. That's great. So, um, you recently concluded law school yes. and my friend is a lawyer barrister square <laughs> 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 so 
So yeah, this girl is a lawyer. Yes, I am. And by virtue of the faculty department that I was in, we were both in the same faculty. I was a law student, but yeah, I saw the international law diploma. It's all the same, yeah. So um, I was always around law students, and I know that there was one thing that was a constant, especially in their conversations, about mm-hmm. how hard law school was. Now, I know that for any other degree, I mean, it's not always easy as well, Very but I felt well. like it was overly exaggerated because is it that somebody is saying that somebody is dying somewhere or somebody vomiting or throwing up? Like, it was just, it was just excessive exaggeration, you know, and I, I mean, for you who has just come out of law school, how, I mean, just take us through that process. Why is it really hard as people say? Okay, well, I won't say that law school is hard. I'll just say that it's very tasking. Mm-hmm. The the syllabus is it's quite... The syllabus is not hard. It's just that it's way too much for anyone, for flesh and blood. It's just way too much. It's like so many things to do in, you know, I think it's 11 months. It's not to 12 months in total. So <clears throat> the pressure is, what's, is what, like, crushes a lot of people like this the scheme itself is not hard but the environment there's just this tension like oh if you do this you're not fit and proper so when someone insults you you're like just keep quiet because you know you just want to be called about and there is no particular there's no particular guideline for being you know certified fit and proper so anything can throw you out of the system mm. and so you have to be on your toes like basically law school wants a perfect human being and we know how hard perfection is so i think that is where the pressure comes from not the syllabus but from the scheme itself the entire the system not the syllabus the system okay great so how did you find the whole experience of going to law school okay. i'm sorry i'm I've been in law school, law school, but yeah. How did you find the whole experience? Because the truth is, I think, I know we have quite a number of long years, long lawyers who will be listening to this. Very well. But from you who is fresh out of that jungle, what what what, what was it like? Okay, so let me start from the end. In <laughs> law school, I was like, deuces. <laughs> like, bye guys. Because it was just way too much for a year. Mm. It was way too much for a year. It was a life-changing experience. It was a life-changing experience. So before I went to law school, I had heard, oh my God. There was always this link on the group chat on 10 ways to succeed at Nigerian <laughs> law school. Five tips for excellence. Do you desire to pass at the law school? Click the link below. <laughs> tips to surviving at the Nigerian law school. <laughs> The Nigerian law school Who does all these <laughs> things. <laughs> a oh candid view. Like it was just so many articles, yeah, and you'd have your seniors it. calling you. So at some point, I was like, "No, what? What's so deep and everything?" But yeah, I'd made up my mind that, you know what? I'll give it my best. I'll do what I can so that at the end of the day, whatever I come up with, it's easier to accept than you know ignoring the warning signs or getting too scared of the warning signs and then you know being on the extreme ends of either ways and then just messing the whole thing up so i was like i'll take what i can from the advice i'll make it mine and i will just live my life because at the end of the day it's only someone that is alive that can be a lawyer so about that so yeah i got to nigerian law school I did what I could. And then the thing is, you know, they always warn you that whatever advice you get, just modify it to yourself. Like, 
make it a version of yourself so let it mirror your kind of person and so i tried i did as much as i could because trust me you will get to law school and you will see the scholars <laughs> they would ask one simple question and then they are solemnizing <laughs> cases I know people like they that. are bringing things in holy matrimony i'm just like guys what's going on are we in the same place and like it's the same topic yeah but yeah, it's the, the law school is not hard. But for me, I would go to the library after every. I don't even want to go into these nasty details. But yeah, I studied. I, I went to class. I did my assignments. I took my bar exams and I got my results. And on the twelfth December, twenty six seventeen. I was called to the Nigerian bar. Oh my God, I was in tears when they said, you may now put on your wigs. My hands were shaking because it was not an easy year, I must say. You know, as much as you get the advice, they tell you read from day one and everything. You know, I was I was doing as much as I could, but you know, it just seemed not enough. What yeah. I learned from the Nigerian law school above all things is that there's two things that can get you out of there excellently. Which is? And those two things, uh, the you strive for perfection and you remain consistent so the two words perfection and consistency and trust me I don't know what is more dis- more difficult than consistency because mm. you know consistency will lead to perfection those two things that's what makes law school difficult okay perfection and consistency oh, very well said uh, nasty law school is Bamishi's words so <laughs> my next question is what I mean now that you're working, okay. you have been released from that sheltered environment from school. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Free. What has been your biggest misconceptions about life from your own experience? <laughs> to be honest, I feel like my biggest misconception about life is that you can have it all figured out without being in it. Mm. Like you know, you you the, the fact that it's good to plan. I'm all about planning and everything, but you know, I don't know how well you can plan. Mm-hmm. Unless you have, you know, seen similarity. You can plan, but you can't plan excellently. Of course. Unless you are in the middle of it. So, you know, from the student angle, you know, I thought, oh, I mean, I went to school, out of law school. I did my best. I was all, you have no, I was all over the place, really. You know, because I say, oh, this will look good on your CV. This will be okay. You, internship will get you a good job. In fact, when you do your internship, they want to call you back. And, you know, they just make it seem like once you're out of school, those places you worked at like welcome yeah. welcome but it's it's not that easy i just feel like my greatest misconception was that you can have it all planned out now and then you know, life doesn't just go as life doesn't it. always go as planned True. and the beauty is that it will not this can be either ways it can be better it could be worse but the thing is at the end of the day we would all experience the good part and the bad side if you're somewhere thinking that life would always be good Wake up! <laughs> you heard it. Wake up Wake from that slumber. Up. There will be good days. There will be bad days. Yeah. That's why we have day and night. Literally happens in our lives. So for all of you still in university thinking that you're going to come out into a perfect world, wake up. Wake now, up. you were in, in your second year when you started a project called the 19th Initiative. Yes. And I... I have to say that you have been very consistent with that. Kudos to you. But tell us, what's the 19th initiative about? 
Well, I would say uh, our goal is to see a world anchored on sustainable practices. And so, in able to achieve a world anchored on sustainable practices, we preach sustainability through information provision. So, in my as a Nigerian, I've come to the knowledge of the fact that some concepts are very strange to us, given our background, our culture, and particularly as a Yoruba girl, our culture and our exposure to a large extent to certain information. It all goes back, you know, to the type of society that we grew up in. And then, as much as Nigerians like to manage, we don't think, we don't necessarily think of international standards of sustainability. I'm not saying everybody, but like a large amount. Because I've had people ask me, oh, Bamishé, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm interested in law and development. They're like, what is development? And the best way I can explain it is stuff that the UN does. They're like, okay, the United Nations. And I'm like, yes, but like, we don't know the in-depth of it. So what the 19 initiative, our immediate goal is to provide enough information on sustainability. So what we do is, because what I've realized is that international development development what they do is what is the common places you just see a lot of articles very scholarly articles you see people talking about you know the paris agreement you see all this article something you see this protocol and you know not everybody on the street understands it so what the 19 initiative is doing is taking development to the streets right taking development initiative like you know our language is simple our initiatives are simple so that development doesn't look like something in the exclusive preserve of development workers it is something that every we should all be development workers that is our goal that everybody must be a development worker when you buy a bottle of drink you should think of where that plastic is going mm-hmm. when you have more cars than human beings in your house you should think of the kind of emissions you should think of you know sustainable energy clean energy climate change you should just think of development concerns peace you know poverty being charitable so that's it everybody should be a development worker while there to you know push out information on development that's such amazing like you educating people again yes yes things that they they relate with every day every day and don't pay attention to essentially so what has been your greatest achievement since you started in 1922 like what was that thing that you look back at and you're like oh i did this me you know i'll say the fact that the blog is still running okay and the fact the growth that we have experienced because if you if there's anything that's is common knowledge in Nigeria is that people don't like to read. So if you What's write, that saying? What's that saying? If that you, if you want to kill, you want to kill an African man, man <laughs> write his cure in a paper. And do you know, being a blogger, it is so true. It is so true. Like sometimes, you know, your audience is great. And the next time you write your heart out inside the post and you just see how many readers you're like, guys, this is important information can you study but yeah but the fact that people still read people ask when i've not you know put up a post maybe it's coming out late and they're like i'm sure what's going on it's very i like the fact that the blog is still moving okay and we have new ideas right i see that you're also very big on volunteering yeah. i was checking your i was doing um like a little bit of research before this podcast this episode and i found out that you volunteered for the 
you were a member of the voluntary service organization yes. program that was somewhere in Kwara State. Yes. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Okay, so in 2016, June 2016, the day after my grad, I did not go home. I went straight to Shagamu. And, you know, part of what I said about development information, I didn't even know that what I liked. Because I'd always been passionate about, you know, UN debates in school, what the UN does, but I didn't even know what it was called. So I had this friend that had done this project, and then I saw her in a rural community. She worked on an agricultural project and they were painting houses they were planting in people's farms and you know i was interested because it's part of the things i like to do so i heard about it i put in my application i got called for an interview and trust me it was like boot camp it was so difficult because they put your character to test and it was necessary so after the you know interviews I got qualified to move into the community and then I was sent on an education project. Oh my God, I was so excited because teaching is one of the things I love the most. Mm -hmm. So I was to teach in the community in Kwara State where the teachers had gone on strike and would not teach the children. So we were to go in to intervene and we're also to set up inclusive neighborhood spaces for children who were not allowed to go to school because the community in Kwara State, in Ifeludu local government particularly, is highly populated by illiterates and Muslims who don't believe in formal education. So there were some children that were not allowed to go to school. So our inclusive neighborhood spaces was to bring school to the streets. So if you will not come to school, school will come to you. So we met them under the trees. We had locations close to their houses where we taught them on Sundays and then we would go into the schools to teach. I taught English in secondary schools i taught 21st century skills and then i taught agriculture and best practices in intellectual property particularly protection of traditional knowledge to women farmers in share not enterprise while in the community it was a very challenging experience because the thing is going into the community we've done like a needs assessment we know that okay education is really really you know it's not going as it ought to so you know we went into the community we took teaching aids we took everything that we thought these people would be excited about but guess what they are so comfortable they feel like they have in fact the head boy of my secondary school oh my god was the messiah academically but getting there were like you don't have content and it was hard for them to accept what we wanted because they felt like we were being too pushy we were trying to force on them our own ideals but then it all goes back to the fact that they had not gone out of that environment and so they were complacent because that was as far as they could see but in the three months i spent in the community I must say, I'm not saying this because I was there, but like sincerely, I must say that we changed this because we showed them the world from a different angle, from a different perspective. And then coming from a class where I entered and I'm like, what's your future ambition? It's it just re revolved around fashion designer, radio technology, mechanic, you know, living. They wanted to be lawyers, they wanted to be doctors. We heightened their dreams and I found that really impressive. That's amazing. That's really, really good. Thank you. I mean, now that you, I mean, you have all of these experiences, going out of your way to serve your community. What's the dream for Bamiche? For Bamiche, like, what, what, what are your aspirations? Because as much as I know that people do these things, I know a lot of us who are very 
comfortable where we are. Nobody really wants to give back. Like, who cares? Who mm-hmm. giving back help? You know, like people would say. To be fair. But what's, why are you doing this? Well, for me, my greatest goal at the end of the day concerning my career, concerning my life as an individual, as a child of God, as a human being, is that justice should be served to the last man on the line. Because the way I picture the world is that everybody is on a line and your position on the line is dependent on your social status. So, you know, the highest person with the money, with the power, with the resources is the first. And then the person with the least resources, the least access to everything is the last my concern is not on the people in front but the back and that is why i'm doing development my goal in life is to see that the last man gets what is due to him that justice is served to that last person and i feel like the way i can do it is through development and my ultimate goal in development is to work in governance and policy Mm -hmm. because i feel like policies and you know proper governance is what will serve justice to the last man on the line because at the end of the day there's so many charities out there working hard but the most is that the, the the most you know, painful thing about them is that many of these initiatives are not sustainable. You know, you go into a community once, you distribute relief materials, and that is it. When the food finishes, what else? They are still faced with the same constraints. So I feel like governance and policy would really help these people, and not just governance and policy, but governance and policy in international development. So at the end of the day, I want to see that justice is served to the last man. Right. So being being a young adult who has so much ambition, what would you say has been your biggest challenge with growing up? Well, I must say that my biggest challenge with growing up will be access to to immediate needs. Access to immediate needs, yes, because there's so much to be done. You want to personally? Personally. Yes. Yeah, will be access. To needs. To needs. Do you have Do you have an issue with people not taking you seriously? Because I think that's nobody takes me seriously. Yeah, because difficult. (laughs) But I'm a serious guy. No, I don't mean even personally. I'm saying for a young person, sometimes you have ideas, and you walk up to somebody to explain, and just for them to, you just want validation in a way, and then people just think that you are child's play or. Too young ambitious. people, and, yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yes, that's it for me. Access, because I mean, I go to you and I tell you everything. And they're like, ah, you cannot do it. People have tried. It's the same thing. It cannot change. You know these stories. <laughs> yes, it will be access to needs because there's so much to do. But access, access, access. To need like finances. Finances, people, opportunities. Because, you know, you just have these lofty dreams. You have these ideas in your head. And then you just need that one breakthrough. But access to that to that door that leads to the breakthrough. You are going to sweat. Sweat it out. Okay. So, um, another thing I wanted to talk about is... You organized a book reading in Buari, in Abuja, while yes. you, were your, when yes. you were you know, doing your law school program. And you had that was in partnership with VS organization. Yes, I was and the Bwari Child saw, Foundation. Yeah, I was looking through and I saw pictures of children who were reading, and mm-hmm. I was like, ah, that's my girl. I'm so proud of her. You know, making changes and impacting her world. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. how were you able to get support for that project? Because it looks like a big deal to me. Okay. Well, the project I was working on the blog, and you know, 
it was World Books Day and I was just thinking that books in Nigeria and I would say that if I have any dreams if I whatever I am today is as a result of the fact that I read a lot as a child I love reading and I still will continue to read and so I just feel like there's something knowledge does for you yeah there is something and you just can't it would not come to you you have to go for it so i thought of you know doing something that would encourage reading amongst children and i did not want to do anything about formal education because there's so many projects sending kids to school but after school books what else because all you can get from formal education is formal education and a little more but then there's the need for you to be able to do so much more outside formal education there's something that good novels do for you there's something that comes to you when you read you know current affairs so the program was to encourage informal reading was to encourage children to be able to pick up books and read outside their school books because definitely there were initiatives there were you know plans by schools by you know organizations to push education to the kids but not so much is being done about informal education so it was to encourage kids to read outside their school books so i remember that i woke up that morning and because it came to me randomly in the midnight i woke up to grab a bar of chocolate literally That's why you're fat. i know <laughs> i always had midnight chocolates and then i woke up to take one and then the idea came that how about a book reading for children and i was like you know what if i wake up I will find every reason not to do this. So I sent my friend Farida Salubelo. I sent her a message because she was a member of the Buari Child Foundation, asking her that, okay, this is what I want to do, Farida. And she, I really appreciated her for it. And she, you know, threw her weights, you know, behind me, got in touch with the home where we did it. And because they worked, the Buari Child Foundation worked directly with the home. So she did, got the connections, and then my friend, I told her she wanted Soya, told her about it, and she was like, you know what, you can do it, go ahead. And so many other people, the support was tremendous. I did not even expect it because it didn't take a lot of time to plan, you know. And that's what I said about access. Like if you can access the right people, there's you will do anything. Yeah. You will do anything. So I sent messages and all that, and you know, I worked with an amazing team of volunteers. And it was an incredible event. People bought books for the children. People donated books. And what we did was just go into the home for three hours, for two Saturdays, six hours. Read to the kids, gave them assignments over the week. Talked to them about the sustainable development goals because there's need for global awareness. And that was it. That was it. We donated books to them and gave them reasons why they should continue reading. So it was to, you know, get a reading culture going among the kids. Thank you, John. So if you want to know more about Bamishe and her work, you could go to the 19th initiative.blogspot.com. Yes. That's yes. her website for the project. And you could also check her out on LinkedIn. She has a full, um, she has more information there about what, you know, all that she does. Lastly, what's, I mean, five to 10 years from now, what, what's, what are your aspirations? in life so speak your life into existence yeah. hallelujah <laughs> speak it Preach. yes so five to ten years from now i see myself working somewhere in governance and policy mm-hmm. probably not probably definitely definitely shaping financial relations mm-hmm. and you know trade most especially trade livelihoods shaping livelihoods and 
you know, working on education. So trade, education, and finances. Trade, education, and finances. You heard it. Don't be surprised when you see Bamishi out there doing big things. You heard Amen. it here first. Thank you so much for um, listening to the chat podcast episode seven today. Thank you, Bamishi, so much for Thank coming you on for the show. Me. I loved having you every time. I love having you around every time. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you can listen to this episode on SoundCloud and iTunes. You could also check us out on social media. On Instagram, we are at the Chat Podcast. On Facebook, also we are the Chat Podcast. So you could just check us out, check us out, and see all that we're doing. Thank you again. I'd really like to hear your feedbacks and your comments as to what, how you feel about this this episode. Um, you know where to find me. I also have to say a big shout out to Amen Radio for having me here. They've been amazing hosts. Till I come your way again next time, it's the Chat Podcast and I enjoy a bar. Goodbye for now.